new beginning. Welcome to the Grief Dreams podcast, everyone. My name is Sean Ram, as always, alongside Dr. Joshua Black. Joshua, how are you doing today? <laughs> I'm doing good, Sean. You know what today is? Yeah, I do, I think. Part <laughs> part two? Part two. Yes, yes. For those of you who are new to this podcast, there's a part one, so go back and listen to that. This is part two. Part two of our Grief Dreams recap episode for 2019, to be exact. And yeah, it's just, uh, again, it was a great chance uh, to wrap up 2019 with all the amazing podcasts and episodes that we've done. Uh, And again, we want to give a thanks to everybody who's listening. Thanks for tuning in all across the globe and also those who are donating towards our Patreon. Thank you for donating. Really appreciate it. Uh, So let's get into it. All right. For the first one we got on for this, uh, this clip is Tracy McCubbin. And uh, she's a decluttering expert. It was a really interesting episode where we talked about decluttering after a loss. And so these clips that we're going to have, one is on her grief dream of her grandmother who died when she was 101. And then another one is a dream she wants to have. So check this out. And this is episode 120. Curious on one question that we, we like to uh, ask about on the podcast is, have you ever had a dream of anyone who's died, either any of the, your friends? that died in the AIDS epidemic or your grandmother? You know, it's funny. My grandmother shows up a fair amount. She um, uh, she tends to show up in my dreams when I'm in a lot of anxiety. Uh, and I think, um, and I think because she was so practical and rational that um, she was not, uh, you know, worrying wasn't, she didn't, Put a lot of stock in worrying it was sort of solving the problem and so i have I, I was also thinking about this i have when i'm in a bunch of anxiety and she'll sort of pop up in funny places and and i tend to wake up the next morning and go like all right let's make a list let's pros and cons let's you know delegate what we can and you know instead of spinning my wheels and try and worrying about getting it done like coming up with an action plan so i always think that when she shows up in my dreams that she's sort of a reminder that a plan of action will always get you out of a situation instead of running around like a worried chicken with your head cut off so i'm always i'm always happy when she shows up oh that's so cool and does she talk or is she just like in the background and it's just that reminder no, it's funny she, and now that I'm thinking about it, it's funny. She sort of just she pops up sort of like She was a little teeny Scottish lady. And so she was sort of, she was sort of showing around in the background. Um, and uh, it's, it's interesting. I, I, you know, it's funny. She actually doesn't really talk. But it's, it's a kind of very calming vision for me in a dream. That's so interesting. It's just, it's just like we're, <laughs> you open a door, there she is. You're just like, whoa. Yeah, kind of. It's like a big dinner table and she'll be sitting at the head of the table. Or, you know, I'll walk into a room and she'll be in the room. <laughs> That's really interesting. And I'm really curious, too, is since you've had so many dreams, is she like 101 years old or is she a little younger? You know, it's funny. She, it's interesting. That's an interesting question. She shows up. She had my dad later in life. So she sort of shows up in my dreams in about her 60s, 60s or so. You know, when I was when I was spending a lot of time with her, like still grandma-ish for sure, but not uh, not at the end. Like in, when I remember, you know, she and I would travel together and kind of when our lives were very active together. But definitely like gray hair and like her little grandma shoes and, you know, she shows up in a practical pantsuit and, <laughs> wow. and so, but very much as I remember her. 
her hair always done in my dreams her hair is always done we would go to the beauty parlor and she would get her hair done Oh, that's that's so nice and so interesting. <laughs> also, with the so the hair being done, and also forty years younger, and like that's something. Yeah. And I think that's an interesting kind of image that is occurring, and I love it. I, I love know. that I you know. have that. I know. I wonder if it's something about that, like you know, my teen years and my twenties when things were you know chaos and hormones, and and that she was really a a constant solid presence that maybe. You know, in these anxiety dreams, I sort of, my, my, you know, whatever gets us there goes to this very calming, solid presence. So she's like put together, and you know, her plaid pants on, her hair done, and just really a a calming, um, just a calming vision in all of it. That's beautiful. I'm glad it's making you feel comforted, and also reminding reminding you of her and her wisdom, and then for allowing you to take some initiative in your own life. To now, like, stop worrying and actually getting to the the issue of the problems. <laughs> yes, worrying is a wasted. <laughs> I do it all the time. I perfected it, but <laughs> I'm gonna be like, this stuff is getting me nowhere. What am I doing? All right, let's make a list. Yeah, worrying is like clutter for the mind. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I totally agree. That's fantastic. <laughs> all right, so our uh, our last question we always like to ask our guests is if you could have a dream tonight. What dream would you want to have of someone who's died? Wow. Uh, this is okay. Not I'm not a huge Beatles fan, but I'm staying in New York right now, and we're staying like a block away from the Dakota, and we walk through Strawberry Fields, the park that Yoko Ono had built for John Lennon after he was killed, and I was like. There was just there's something about that space and him and who he was to the world, and I was like, wow, I wish I'd seen him. Like I just thought that last night, and so I think if I was like, you know, if I was asleep tonight and he could kind of come in that in that space and in this place and seeing his memorial garden, that would be really cool. That is interesting. And would you want? him to be maybe alone and maybe singing or would you just want him to pop up maybe with your grandma in the background of some <laughs> dinner table my grandma, my, my grandma on tambourine <laughs> <laughs> um I, you know I, I, I think i would just uh, i think i would want him to tell me that peace is possible the peace around the world is possible that's what i'd like to hear i like that so that one-on-one -on -one kind of connection yeah, that'd be cool and funny. Not yeah, yeah, funny. Well, I'll have to let you guys know if it if it happens tonight. I'll have to let you know. <laughs> Please do. And I don't know if you know. Do you know the? You must know the Beatles song "Let It Be." Yes, very well. So, so that actually was written because of a grief dream. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. I'll have to listen to it again. I'll have to listen to it again. That's fantastic. I'm, I'm going to listen it through, through that lens. Yeah, it was Paul. Um, he basically was talking about it, and he was saying how basically his mother died, and he had this dream where the mother, his mother came to him, and he was really stressed out, and she said, let it be. Just let it be. It's all going to work out. And so he's like, then he woke up. He felt comforted, and then he said, I've never heard that before. Let it be. And then that's when he wrote the song. So yeah, when you when you look at the song as it's actually his mother, 
being the one saying that stuff, it has a different meaning altogether. Than, rather than Mother I'm Mary. I'm literally yeah. listening to it when we hang out, like when we get off this interview, because that's fascinating to me. Thank you, Tracy, for sharing that dream. Uh, it's very beautiful and really cool to have a celebrity enter into the dream that you would like to have. Um, and obviously, she's talking about John Lennon from the Beatles. Uh, so really cool stuff. Next, we have Donald Knight, and he appears on episode 123. Uh, he's an ordained independent Catholic priest, dreamer, light worker, and podcaster. Enjoy. So I'm curious, have you ever had a dream of your father since he died? Uh, I've had multiple dreams. Uh, I would say they kind of slowed off as I became an adult. Uh, but the first one I remember having was probably three or four months. It was before uh, we found a church home. And so it was before I was baptized on April 2nd in 1978. But uh, the first dream I had, I mean, it was just I was walking along the street and I looked up and I said, and it was my dad. And I was like, Dad, you're here. And, and it was just... Uh, my dad was like, yeah, I came back just to let you know things are going to be okay, Chopper. He called us. He had a nickname for my twin brother and I. He had a nickname for all of his sons. And and my twin brother and I, for some reason, were Chopper. This is back in the days of Harley Davidson's with the long, you know, front, front. Uh, I don't even know what you nice. call it. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. So so we would see Choppers in driving down the road or what have you, and we'd get all excited. So he called my twin brother and I Chopper. And so, uh, but he said, yeah, Chopper, I came along just to let you know that that uh, everything's going to be okay. Don't worry about anything. Everything's going to be okay, you know. And so that was the first dream. And then, uh, you know, I was maybe junior high, high school. I can remember dreaming, uh, having a dream about him where we're all at the lake. We always had a place at the lake. And 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 Dad was getting ready to, he's pulling his fishing tackle out of the back of a truck. And my mom's there. My, my brothers are there. But no one's saying, hey, wait a second, you've been gone for a long time. And we're all just excited to have him there. And we're all getting ready to go fishing down at the lake. And so it's it's, it's sort of uh, dreams like that that I've had of, of my father. So. Wow. And so how did you feel uh, having those dreams? Uh, I, particularly after the first one, uh, I can remember just... Uh, feeling comfortable and at peace uh, uh, and, and and not worrying about what does the future hold uh, to hear him say that everything's going to be okay. You know, uh, I think my mom was more anxious after he passed away and naturally so. I mean, here you are, you're in your early 30s, you lose your husband unexpectedly and you have four boys at home. I can only imagine the anxiety I would have gone through. And so I think she was anxious about things. And so just to have him uh, be there and I didn't look at it at the time I just looked at it as just another dream I didn't see it as a I can't say it was a visit a visitation dream because I didn't really touch him or feel him or hug him or anything uh, and I've had other dreams of people who's passed in my life where there, there was that and you're like wow you can feel in your dreams you know uh, but uh, it was just uh, it's just a, a great sense of peace you know? it's nice and I think it pushes on the topic too that children have these dreams of the deceased also you know like and a lot of people forget about that and how say like for you it, it gave you comfort to to know that just to have that peace and it's like it's, it's hard to really understand why you know it's great to see him again um but yeah there's it's it's always a mystery to me on why people feel so comforted after these dreams because we have so many dreams that don't comfort us you know like but these dreams 
are, are special to people, religious or not. As you said, you weren't religious at the time. And so I think that's just amazing. You're able to have that. Did you ever talk about that with anyone or did you keep it to yourself? My twin brother and I have always talked about it, even to this day, you know, dreams, be it of dad, not of dad. And if we have a dream of a family member, uh, you know, unfortunately, as as life went on, uh, there's certain members, of my brothers that we stayed closer with and everything. And then there's two of our brothers that are com- were completely, uh, I would say, completely alienated with, unfortunately. And I think it was their own struggles with uh, themselves, you know, that cause that. But my twin brother and I, still to this day, will share our dreams. And we, share, we, my twin brother and I had our own. Uh, we we had the same bedroom growing up until we went off to college. And so, we would always uh, talk about things when we woke up and, and everything. So, so yeah. Thanks, Donald, for coming on. I remember that in that episode two, we talked about relics in the church. And that was pretty cool. So, uh, if you want to, or if you are interested in that, go back check that episode out. So our next one is episode 124, Dr. Sherry Cormier, and she is a licensed psychologist. And what I liked about this clip is that coming on the podcast actually triggered a dream. Three, two, one. Play the clip, Sean. Uh, You know, just to turn it back around back to the podcast, it's it's like dreams, you know. Uh, A dream can have that type of positive impact and change someone's life. Uh, which is kind of what we're trying to uh, show. It's so true. That is so true. You know, I, I'm sure you know if um, from my book, Sweet Sorrow, I have an entire chapter in this book on the visitation dreams that I had from my late husband, Jay, who's been gone now 11 years. And in fact, you'll love this. <laughs> I woke up at 7 o'clock this morning, Eastern Time, in the middle of a visitation dream with Jay. And I hadn't had one for a while. And I'm thinking, he knows I'm going to be on a podcast today that has to do with grief dreams. (laughs) So (laughs) how timely is this? (laughs) That's beautiful. (laughs) Yes, so I wake up up with this dream about him. We're We're together in the dream and we are taking a walk. And I'm just, of course, I'm just, you know, overflowing with, with joy and with happiness because anytime he comes to visit me, and especially more recently when it's, it hasn't been as frequently, it's so wonderful to be in his magical presence again. So I'm just walking along, you know, my level of elation is high and... I'm just, you know, and I'm saying all these little sweet nothings to him in the dream, like, you know, honey, oh, God, it's so great to be with you, and honey, you know, oh, this feels so great, and you look wonderful, and wow, what a handsome dude you are, and he turns to me, and he says, you know, he says, I haven't heard you say these things for a while. And I, and I looked at him and I said, well, that's because we haven't had a visit in a little while. And we, and we haven't. I think the, the last big visitation dream I had from him was late in the fall. So um, I got a very powerful dream from him um, last fall, about four messages and uh, so this was this was like a, a a dream of 
reuniting, of reunification. But as you know, I have a whole chapter called Manifestations of the Soul in my Sweet Sorrow book, and I've had all these dreams. And when you talk about dreams helping people cope with loss and and deal with heartbreak and grief, one of the, the very small, well, very short dreams, I would, wouldn't say call it small because I think it's very impactful, but a short dream I had two years after Jay transitioned. And I have talked about this dream so much in podcasting and mentoring I'm doing with, with grief survivors. But Jay came to me two years after he had transitioned, and I just looked at him, and I said, Honey, what's it like to die? And I, he just said very simply, Just wait. It's genius. And that totally took my fear, my own fear of dying away, because when I hear someone that's already crossed over transition say it's genius just wait you know plus all these reports I've been reading uh, more recently of NDEs or near-death experiences what people have experienced and then they come back to life and what they report to us you know to me one of the biggest lessons I've learned in my own grief journey and certainly through these dreams is that death is not, you know, death of someone that we love so deeply. And I have, you know, lost, as you mentioned at the top of the, the, the broadcast, I've lost my entire family of origin and my rescue dog and my, my beloved husband in the last decade. But to me, death is not a disappearance. It's a transition. And that's, that has been huge for me. And it's really transformed the way that I think about uh, grief and loss and the way that people heal during their grief journey and even the whole process of what it means to die. Thank you, Sherry, for sharing uh, your dream. And next we have from episode 126, Amy Valella. And she was in the documentary, which is on Netflix, Knock Down the House. And uh, in this clip, she talks about being on the campaign trail, as well as uh, grieving the loss of her daughter, Shaylin. I am inspired, so inspired by you. I gotta say, like with all the struggles you've been through and all, all the stuff that you were just saying about, you know, you weren't defeated from the loss because the story keeps going. And to not give up and to continue to fight you know, for a better life. And, you know, I think everyone can take that to heart because we feel deflated a lot of times in life and we stay still, but, you know, there are things that we can do to motivate ourselves. And you're one of those people that we can look up to as we fight uh, through all our different struggles. And I'm really curious, as you went on your campaign trail and talked about your daughter's loss, did people open up about their losses to you? And what was that like? All the time. And it was it was hard. Um, it was hard to talk about Shalyn's death all the time. It takes an emotional toll on me, um, and I think parents would understand that. But it's it's hard um, to speak of the death, and I'd have to do that. But that was my gift, 
And then I would hear other people talk and, and there was this instant connection. We're all part of a club that none of us want to be a part of. And, and people outside of even that club of losing a child, you know, just the everyday heartache. And it just motivated me to fight harder. You know, we knew, and if you saw the film, you know there's a part where I'm talking to AOC and she's like, for one of us to win, a hundred of us have to run. We all knew that going in. So, you know, there were so many of us that they were concentrating on, they couldn't possibly get all of us. That's how you start a movement. That's how you start it. a movement. They were so worried about me, they were missing out on AOC. Crowley was donating to my opponent. I had all the caucuses. I had an ex-president, an ex-vice president, current presidential candidate now, different senators and congresspeople from across the nation all coming out for my opponent who didn't even live in the district and registered to vote in, in Nevada the same day he re registered to run. And so they flew him in when they saw that this, okay, wait a minute, we can't let her win. <laughs> we can't let her, but that's okay because it opened the opportunity, all of us together, I'm not just saying it was just my campaign, but all of us together, we got, we got a couple in. And this year we're going to get more in and we'll keep on hitting that. So never be afraid of what you would consider quote unquote failure. Because we might have lost our a lot of races across this nation, but if you look at what's happening right now in our presidential uh, campaign right now for the Democratic side, what are they having to answer? Do you support Medicare for all? Where are your donations coming from? Do you support a Green New Deal? These are all things that all of us on these slates ran as. Um, so, you know, I always look at it like this change doesn't happen overnight. And, you know, even people who are iconic like Martin Luther King and, and Gandhi, I mean, they paid the ultimate price, right? But they started something. They planted the seed, but others have had to continue to water to actually see the full benefits of it, right? That's the same thing here. And, uh, and I was very happy to be part of that and to give people hope. The, the conversation changed in Las Vegas, and people started feeling hope and seeing there could be different ways. And we just have to keep building on that across the united states that's that's tremendously exciting to hear it, it's i haven't been you know i haven't felt like that about a politician since jack layton rest in peace who's a canadian politician who uh you know spoke about a lot of the same things and had the same passion about you know um, the regular folks like all of us and 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 that's that's just incredible and you know there's a fire there and you know as pioneers it's, it's obviously going to be some difficult stuff uh difficulties um and challenges but you guys have momentum and, and i think that it's going to be tremendously tough to slow that down oh yes they're trying now with everything they can but it's not going to stop and it, i can't tell you what it felt like the first time i was in a um in an actual march for healthcare and I was holding this the signs that Shalin's based on it and you know someone walked up to me and he's like his daughter's with you today it was an older gentleman and she's like and she's happy and I just started bawling you know I don't know what the afterlife is I know I have lots of dreams about her and I am constantly feeling like I have her strength with me but that was very touching and being there and seeing this mass group of people and everyone trying to fight to ensure that no other parents lose their, lose their children and or loved ones or friends due to this kind of injustice uh, is is so heartening. I'm curious. You mentioned uh, dreams you've had of her. Can you share something or one of your most memorable ones you've had of her? Yeah, I 
soon after she passed, I remember, I felt like, and, and a lot of the times, it's not been so much recently, but throughout the years, it'll be four years in a few days, um, it was so real. It was like, I would wake up thinking she had been there. And most of my dreams are me begging on the hospital door saying, please help her. She has a blood clot. You know, I'm trying to get her help. And I'm, I'm telling her, I'm so sorry, Shalyn. And uh, one time in the dream, she came to me and she was talking to me in the dream. And she was like, it's okay, mom, I'm okay. You're gonna get me crying. That felt very real. Then I woke up, and I would I would wake up every morning. Even now, sometimes I wake up, but especially in the beginning, and I would just be like, <gasps> when I'd wake up, because it was like, oh my God, she's dead. You know, you can't, your mind cannot grasp with that, that your child is gone. And there's many times I still do that. I wake up and I've had a dream about her and a memory, or that she's. A, going to college or that we're going someplace together and we're talking or I'm trying to find her. Uh, you know, I know that she's there. I'm like, yeah, she's just got a hold of me. I'm looking for her. Have you seen her? And then you have to wake up. And then the tears sting your cheeks. And you realize it's like you've lost them all over again. Wow. That's, uh, thank you for sharing those, all the different types of dreams that, that you have. And, is it do you have any comfort in seeing her again or is it just always a sadness when you wake up that stays with you it's sadness mm -hmm. um i really lost any ounce of faith i had before and i'm sometimes i'm jealous of people who have faith because it seems to make it a little bit more bearable but um i feel totally lost i don't know I don't know, like, I don't have any set firm beliefs on what's where she's at or if she's anywhere or what's happened. And uh, that's almost unbearable. Yeah, I, so I can't it, imagine. That makes it more difficult. I'm always like, man, I'm, I wish I was, like, super religious. <laughs> <It'd be a> lot, <laughs> that would be a lot better, actually. <laughs> I guess what people do is they just fight for it. <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> that's, that's really what it is. But... Uh, because, yeah, it's very difficult, very difficult to have faith in the midst of loss. And it's one of probably the most challenging things people go through when it comes to their religion and also other things that they see that either their politicians or their country, what they do in the name of religion is probably very difficult. But death has got to be one of those individual yeah. things that, that really shakes people's core. And it's, that's what it did to you. And you're not finding meaning in the sense of religion, but you're finding meaning in the sense of making her legacy mean something, making her death mean something by fighting and fighting for other people. And I think you're doing that without religion, which is a very beautiful thing. There's no reward at the end kind of thing, right? You're not doing it to get a reward. You're doing it to do it because it needs to be done. It's right. It's the right thing to do. So amazing, amazing for you to be able to do that. And I, you know, I said, I wish, you know, like as you move forward, those dreams become comforting to be able to see her um, and not have to wake up and say, oh my God, she's dead, but be able to to have that moment where you say, you know, like I did this for you kind of thing. Like you, I know you're dead. Even have a dream knowing she's dead. So you're not shocked when you wake up, but then have like that conversation right. with her or something. Right. So it's not a shock. It's like you've acknowledged the loss in the dream it may help. And I hopefully you have something like that in the future, because there's one thing that I do know when it comes to these dreams is they can provide comfort for people. 
and that continuing bond experience. And that seems to be helping people as they move forward in their journey. But I say right now, it's still a, it's still a struggle. It's still a struggle to have those experiences. Thanks, Amy, so much for coming on the podcast. Really appreciate that conversation, taking time away from your busy schedule to basically talk about your loss in more detail. All right, for the next one is Nikki Wilson, episode 128. And she was a student that was doing a university assignment and she contacted me. I remember that. It was a really nice moment. We got to chat about her dreams. And so here we talk about grieving while in school. For the funeral, was it an open casket or was it a closed casket? It was closed. Um, So I couldn't actually see her in there, but I think that actually made it harder because I don't know. I've just always had like such a hard time believing that she's not there, I guess. I think that makes sense. I think that's the positive of having an open casket is for people to understand that who's in there because it's really just a box that someone's saying someone's in there, but we, we sometimes need to just verify ourselves. And so my dad's was an open casket and as much as it was good to see him, it's also a little different too seeing someone that that's dead. It's one of the first times. And so like for you, Zach, some of you shared the dream. So I'm guessing this relates to your dream a lot in the sense of the imagery. Can you share the dream that you had uh, soon after this? Yes, so on the we were all on a mini bus back to the boarding school after her funeral. Um, so I fell asleep and I dreamt that her friends were like lifting her casket and carrying it down the middle of the church, like they were carrying her away. And then I don't remember it exactly, but someone tripped and fell and the casket like opened up. But instead of, I was like fully braced for her body to come out, but it wasn't her. It was like a, a mannequin and just the head just rolled out. And then I just jolted awake after that. <laughs> wow, that's wild. That probably uh, confirms what Josh was saying in terms of like, you know, maybe you just didn't have the full resolution around it. Like, again, like there is something to seeing. I, I saw, yeah, I saw all of my dead uh, relatives when I went to their funerals, their bodies. And, and it, it did add uh, closure, something to it, right? Like you see them for the last time. It, it's kind of like, I guess, if you didn't have last words with someone, that you'd have that regret or, or like, Oh, I wish they were positive and not negative. So I think for me personally, that was uh, something that I kind of clued into. And then, yeah, yeah. That dream's wild. Yeah. (laughs) What'd you think when the mannequin come out? You're just like shocked. Yeah. I think I was just shocked, but I was also a bit scared. I don't know. It was so strange. Cause like at that time, obviously I was young and I couldn't really, understand what it meant um but now looking back on it i'm like it's just because i hadn't processed it like i hadn't realized she was actually gone and i was still not believing that she was gone did you ever ask anyone or tell anyone about that dream after it happened no i don't think i did i don't think i even told my mom until like two or three years ago <laughs> wow it's it's interesting and it's interesting what people hold on to because you said like it probably you still remember it so it had to do something to you to make it memorable because there's a ton of dreams that we have when we wake up that we forget by the time we you know brush your teeth or you know go have breakfast but this one is staying with you to this day and so i'm glad you can get a little bit more understanding about maybe why because it's like it, it was sitting there for a reason yeah yeah definitely thank you nikki for sharing that dream and uh next we have from episode 134 lauren kane Lissak, and she is a pet taxidermist. So check out the dream that she had of her grandmother. 
and definitely check out the rest of the episode because it's very interesting uh, hearing her talk about pet taxidermy a uh, very cool podcast i've had lots of dreams of my oma like calling on the phone i've never seen her in a dream which is weird i don't think i've seen her i've only she's called on the phone in dreams though oh really um, like so like is it like a cell phone she's calling on or is it like a landline it's like a land like old school oh, landline with like a cord to the <laughs> wall whoa that's wild which is, so much- which is something i wasn't even raised with that you know like we had a cordless phone and um well my oma and opa they did have a wall phone like that i don't even know what you call it <laughs> a wall <laughs> phone um but that's what when i dreamt of her she's calling from a phone like that and um she always sounds fine and happy and then i i kind of it's like i have this like a feeling that she's okay but she's also very distant like she's not she's somewhere else in the dream that's so interesting and do you guys talk about like what's going on in your life or do you remember the conversations at all i don't i don't remember the conversations i was i i wish i could um i need to get better at writing my dreams down that's something i want to start doing more of so that i can get better at you know recalling these things yeah, I wonder what you've talked about. You know, that's, that's so interesting. I, I wonder what know. you said, right? Yeah. You were up, the, the phone. Do, do you remember how you felt after? Peaceful. I guess um, just knowing that she is okay. Because I, I always got the impression that she was okay. It wasn't like um, she was calling frantic or um, it was always her, just as calm, just as collected. But the the notion in my head was, Oh, you're very, you're not, you're not on earth. You're very far away. You're calling from somewhere else. Wow. That's so interesting. I wonder, so I wonder if that phone, because phone dreams are, I think, more rare than anything. So I wonder if that's really, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, that's why I was really excited when you said that. <laughs> I was like, cause there's a, huh. a couple, dr- I've only seen, I think one phone dream, like in all the thousands of dreams I've seen and heard. So. It's, what? it's yeah it's very interesting so if you're always having this that's so intriguing to me because i wonder if it's part of the way that like not seeing the death or not seeing her if that affected that's that. interesting that you say yeah. that because well when she passed away i got a phone call from my mom even though we lived in redlands california and my oma and opa also they moved to redlands and you know i was in the same town that she was when she died in the last you know those two months when she was sick I was in the same city within you know 10 minute drive but didn't get to see her and I got that phone call from my mom saying that she had just died maybe that's why because I never did see her and the information came from a phone mm. I don't know yeah it could be that's interesting though it's very interesting thank you Lauren for sharing that um Really appreciate it. And next we have from episode 135, Lindsay Chula. And uh, yeah, there's a radio voice that I'm going to use for Lindsay because she works on the radio. And she's an artist and musician. And (laughs) sorry. She, um, yeah, her father uh, passed away. He was the band leader and director. And she had some really cool dreams about him. Check it out. Let's start off with the, the first dream you've had of your father and then we can go into some of the like music ones that that sounds 
perfect because that's kind of like how they happen. So I've been keeping track of my dreams because people suggested that to me after he died. And also being like a head injury person, I was like, I do not want to forget these. Mm. Just in case, I am going to write these down. And sure enough, looking back through them, I was like, ooh, I forgot about that one. That one was really cool. So um, before I had dreams of my dad, there was kind of like that shock period. He passed away on August 31st. And in my notes, I see that like on December 14th, I woke up, but it wasn't like a dream that I had. It was more like I was waking up with like seeing him in the hospital, seeing him with like, it was more post-traumatic stress, I think that was getting me. But it was shortly after that in February that I had the first like dream. And so the first dream I had was, I was at my parents' house and my mom tells me we're like standing in the kitchen and she's like, now this was sort of a common phrase for a little while. Cause like I said, my dad was going through some stuff. So she says, you know, we had your father in the ER this morning. And apparently, like, I tried to give her a hug about it, but she was talking to someone else. So I walked out into the garage uh, and I saw my dad walking towards his van. And I ran over to him and he was like in his Medina band gear, wearing like the green and white, loading up the van. And I went to hug him, but he like deflected me and said like his stomach was a wreck. Which again, that was something I could totally hear my dad saying that like, sorry my stomach's just a wreck right now like please don't squeeze me (laughs) and so you know what I mean and and he said like that he had been hurting more than usual but he was okay and all of a sudden I realized that it was a dream and I just like woke straight up so that was kind of like the first contact I guess in my dreams but then like in the early spring like a month after that I had like the dream that I'd been that I'd been hoping for you know And um, I call it like the California dream. So I had this dream that my entire family, including like extended family, like aunts, uncles, grandparents, that we go on this big trip to California because my dad's conducting an opera there. And so we like all get on this plane and there's like the extended family's going. We all make the trip to see dad conduct this like huge production. And beyond that, like we were involved too. I was performing. I was singing in the chorus. My brothers, who are all trumpet and trombone players, they were playing in the pit. And the venue was like this beautiful outdoor garden theater. It was incredible. There were like flowers and plants and birds chirping and like these tall white columns and arches covered in these like lush vines. It was amazing. And and we all just stood there looking at it like in awe and wonder. Like we were just like, wow, like you're conducting here? And so the performance began and I remember like having you know it was like super first person like I remember standing up and dancing in the chorus from like the top row of the risers and I was like dancing with a partner who was like spinning me around and I was wearing a ball gown and I could look down to the pit and see my dad conducting and he was wearing like a tux with full tails the whole cast was like dressed to the nines like it was it was really formal and beautiful and intermission came and I looked back at the pit and I saw my dad like leading the orchestra members in these stretches which is hilarious because never in my life have I seen him do that like he would like (laughs) look through his stuff and like do his own thing he would never like okay so I saw him step away from the podium and he like crouches down and like takes a seat behind like the pit wall kind of on the ground so like the audience couldn't see him and I was like I went to him like dad are you okay and (laughs) and this is like where it gets it gets dreamlike he was smoking something my dad was never like a smoker uh as far as I know of. I was like, Dad, what you got there? And he's like, oh, nothing, it's chicken. And it like literally turned into like a chicken leg in his hands. And I was like, okay, that's when I started to realize this is a dream. 
And so I was like, Dad, thank you so much for bringing us all to California. I've I've never been here before, and this is the most beautiful place I've ever seen in my life. And I, like, went to hug him, but he was, like, he had disappeared. And this is so ridiculous. The piece of chicken was, like, sitting on the ground. And his voice was, like, coming through, but I couldn't make out what he was saying. And it was just getting further and further away. And I sat straight up in bed, and I woke up. And here's the thing. Like, that place did not look – I've never been to California, but I've seen – I've got lots of friends out there, northern, southern – there wasn't a palm tree in sight. There wasn't a golden dune. It looked like freaking paradise. That wasn't California. You feel me? It was like really beautiful. That's uh, that's yeah, that's incredible. Though the imagery that you're telling us, uh, it just seems so, um, you know, fantastical. And I, I'm thinking about like if you're, if you're a you know band conductor or you know. A, um, leader of a band or marching band orchestra you know that would be like the championship that would be like you know exactly. i guess the, a high goal right like because it's it's opera is very elegant so you imagine that like the the venues just got that and the way you described it you know and and so that seems like the you know the pinnacle of like you know everything so i think that's amazing that's incredible thank you i thought it was pretty cool too so I, I had you, a lot. Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say, how'd you feel afterwards when you when you had it? Was it something that you you talked about, you know, or did it change anything? I I woke up and I kind of like you know I shook my head and I was like, it happened. The connection happened. Like I really you know, I love my dad and after he passed, I definitely you know I live alone. I don't care if I talk out loud to my house. Nobody's there to judge me but me. I definitely said out loud, hey dad, if you want to roll through. I'm here. You pick your method. I'm around. I'm open for it. I miss you. So, like, I felt like all of a sudden it was like, ooh. And it was just so real. It was like, I don't, it just felt, like I said, I have a lot of different kinds of dreams. And this dream had that, like, outside influence kind of feeling. Like, it wasn't just from my subconscious. You feel me? It was pretty yeah, cool. Yeah. And it just gave me this weird sense of, like, um, reassurance. You know, like he's in, he's conducting an opera in paradise. He's okay. And smoking. <laughs> and smoking chicken. And, like and, what? And, and then, and then hides it. Chicken. Hides it when you saw it. I love that part. Cause he's like, he's still a little bit like, he doesn't want to smoke. I'm his kid. I'm still a kid. <laughs> you know? So, yeah. Whatever plant of paradise he's smoking, you know, Man, <laughs> he's enjoying some. himself. <laughs> <laughs> It's what a what beautiful imagery because you just said like one of the most heartbreaking things was him losing his job, and then yeah. you got to see him in his passion in his work. So I think it's yeah. such a beautiful, beautiful dream to to have. Do you have any more that after was, that? Yeah, like a bunch. So oh, I'll really? try and, <laughs> like a couple. So in in April, my dad's birthday is in May. So as springtime was approaching, he was definitely on my mind and heart, like extra, you know. Um, and so it was like mid-April and I had this dream that I was in a kitchen and that my mom was about to cook something and that she was like insisting on doing it her way. You know, like we were like, hey, baby, why don't you, why don't you cook it this way? And she's like, no, I'm going to do it my way. And so I look at my dad who's standing next to me on the opposite side of the counter from my mom. And he like silently laughs and gives me a little like sassy mocking face. And then this is like weird, but again, it's a dream and... It wasn't creepy. For some reason, all of a sudden, I didn't have a shirt on. Like, I was super vulnerable. And we were hugging. 
he had just wrapped his arms around me and we just stood there and embraced and it was like I was melting into just one of his big protective hugs and again I like woke straight up like I sleep heavy and I was notorious as a kid for not for being hard to wake up but these dreams wake me up at hours that I don't normally wake up oh that's so interesting I like that uh-huh. I like how you said about the vulnerability of that's like being, I mean being naked or being topless or whatever like there is a sense of vulnerability there and you're just saying in the podcast how he used to, he was always that person for you to give you that support and, and see you naked almost right in the sense of what you're willing to share like you could share anything to him and absolutely that's, that's so beautiful and I had another dream in springtime too that was really beautiful I just wrote in my notes um dad finds me on a crowded casino floor to hug me so I was like on the main floor of this big Vegas style casino so my dad like he always thought Vegas was really cool he got out there a couple times like he's not a gambler or anything like that he just he just wanted to see it you know what I'm saying he wanted to see the Hoover Dam he wanted to see Vegas he wanted to stay at the Luxor because it's like the pyramid and it's cool and so I in the dream I'm on the main floor of this like Vegas style casino and I could feel his presence in the room and I'm like looking for him and all of a sudden I look across the room and we make eye contact and he like ran to me like pushing through a crowd of people to get to me and we didn't say anything we just hugged and I woke straight up wow I love it like he you know he like really wants me to know that he loves me and then he'll like find me I that's that's what I took from it was like because I talked to one of my friends who is definitely um had some dreams with former loved ones too and you know she's one of my she's like my best friend and she was like I think your dad wants you to know that he's always going to be here to make this connection with you he will push through to get to get his energy thank you Lindsay. it was great hearing those dreams for our next clip we have episode 136 mirror by bush and this one is really it's deep to my heart, and just hearing this clip beforehand, I, uh, I'm still a little awestruck that who we talked about in this clip is dead now. He was alive at the time, so Ram Das, he uh, recently died December 22nd last year, and one of the things she says is his regrets, and uh, I got, one of those is very true. I, I still am to this day, it comes up every now and then, very sad that he died. I never met the person, never met him um, one-on-one, but he's changed my life. And so we did this talk. Uh, Sean wasn't available. It was Jade that co-hosted it with me. But at the end of the day, uh, check this out because, as I said in part one, this is one of the most memorable conversations because of who we talked about and then that person died soon after. I told the story of my sister's regrets, but then I decided to ask Ram Dass, even though I was sure he was going to say he didn't have any. So I asked him, do you have any regrets about, you know, um, that could be there when you're dying? And um, to my big surprise, he said, yeah, yeah, I do have two regrets. The first was that he would no longer be able to be a vehicle for Maharaj's teachings, which I understood. You know, that made a lot of sense. And then he said, and I regret that I'm going to cause so many people to be sad. <laughs> I was so sweet. He, in the past, he kind of wouldn't even want to acknowledge that. You know, it would be, oh, that's just their attachment, you know. 
<laughs> and um, you know, I'm really within everybody. And but he gave a really human response, which I just loved. Yeah. And the other thing that I thought of when you were speaking was, and actually, I thought of this. I sat down for a few minutes before the call to think about dreams of um, people who had died. And I haven't really had too many exactly, but one really vivid one I had was of Neem Karoli Baba, who was the, who was the guru teacher of both Ram Dass and me. And um, uh, he did, Ram Dass met him in 68, I guess, but I, and I didn't meet him till 1971, which is when many of us who were with him met him. And then he died in 73. So we didn't really have that much time with him. And I felt like, well, I was with him for a year and a half or so. And then I came back home for a visit. Ram Dass came back at this time also. And my husband, I was pregnant when I came home. And some others, uh, friends. And we were just going to come back. We hadn't seen our families in a long time. In those days, it was like, I didn't make a phone call the whole time I was in India. It was, I mean, communication was really poor. And um, so we decided we'd come home for a visit and then just go right back to India. And during that time, he died. And um, I had thought till then that, you know, anytime I would be struggling with anything, I would just ask Maharaji, you know. <laughs> and then he wasn't there to ask anymore. And basically over the longer term i really felt like this was really a great gift to us because we had to look within and we could, and which was a much deeper state than depending on external wisdom but so sometime after he died i had a dream and and at his temple in north india uh, there was a river that ran by it. And we would often go out to the river when he wasn't around. We'd go to the river and sit there. And, you know, we were going through so many changes and uh, think about things and um, meditate. And I remember that I wrote the letter to my my Ph.D. committee telling them that I wasn't coming back. I had been in the fourth year of my PhD. All I had to do was write my dissertation. So I had to write them a letter and tell them I wasn't coming back and why. And I remember doing that by the river there. And um, I, in the dream, I was in the river and Maharaji was in the river. And he was famous for having no material possessions. And he would, he didn't even have clothes. He was always just wrapped in a plaid blanket. And um, <laughs> so in the dream, he had a bathing suit made out of this plaid blanket. And he was like swimming and frolicking in the dream and having a great time in this plaid bathing suit. And when I woke up, I felt like, I felt like it was so much a message of it's all fine, you know, it's all fine. <laughs> I'm still here, and um, we can still have fun, and um, don't worry, it's all within, you know, that was a great dream. <laughs> all right, that was the amazing to hear that, 
And I want to mention that one of the reasons we talked about Ram Das is because they both wrote a book together called Walking Each Other Home, Conversations on Loving and Dying. So if that's an interest to you, I would say check it out. If you're interested in Ram Das, there's a new documentary that just came out called Becoming Nobody. I just watched it. It's really good, too. So um, if you're interested in who that was and who impacted me and Jade and millions of other people around the world, um, I say go do some research and, and listen to some of his lectures. For the next one, we have episode 138, Samantha Pasut. And she is, one of the things that we did talk about was that she was a CBD educator. So we got into that in the episode. But in this clip, we talked about a dream she wants to have. If I had a dream of him tonight, what would that look like? Mm-hmm. Like he was a man, but he was a hairstylist. I probably met my grandmother. She was a model and they, he modeled her hair and they fell in love. And he also was a carpenter. He was a craftsman. So if I were to dream of him tonight, I would just want to see him doing what he loved and that he was an artist and it made me want to be an artist so if i were to dream of him tonight i'd want to see him on a roof yelling and screaming his italian gibberish and being his happy joyful self because he was literally his name was natale it's like saint nick you know like he was he was christmas he was he was pure joy so i just want to see him being happy and healthy and do you want to be a part of that dream? Or do you just want to be like watching it from afar? Uh, I I wouldn't mind being a part of it. I wouldn't mind interacting with him again. Sorry, I get emotional. I don't think I've accepted that he's gone yet because it's so hard to accept that someone you literally were raised by. Like that's why I do feel like I should focus more on healing things with my parents. Cause like once they're gone, you can't talk, you, not that you can't talk to them, because I think I've had more conversations with my grandmother, my grandfather, than I had two years with him suffering from dementia. But um, it, it's just one of those things where you just, you just want to know that they're okay, right? Like people suffer so much, you just want to know that they're okay. And usually we're the ones that are still suffering once all that's said and done. Like I lost my first grandfather when my mom was 13 years old. I wasn't even born yet. Yeah, I was probably floating around somewhere, but he died in a traumatic car accident. So my mother didn't grow up with a father. And I only grew up with one grandfather. So he was like my, he was, he was the emperor in tarot, as you would call it. You know, like I do a lot, I do tarot, I read cards. He was the emperor. He was, he was the ruler. So it's just, I kind of feel responsible. Like my dad, I have a very, I'm an Aries. I have a lot of male energy in me because I'm very passionate and forward and, you know, I pursue my dreams and that's usually a yang trait more than it is a yin trait. So, I don't know. I just want, I, I, I don't mind. I, I'll be in it. I'll hang out with him. You know, it, it, it'd be tough for me. I'm usually watching those things because I don't know how to handle it, but I hope he comes to visit me again soon because I do want to dive deeper into that world. And it, it, it would, you know, it's just hard. It's just, it's, it's hard losing people and grieving and, 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 and moving on is, is more about resilience in the people that are still present and here, like I said, than it is about the people that have gone. So, I don't know if that answers your question, because <laughs> hey. I just felt really emotional. I'm like staring at a picture right now, to be honest. Like he, he's everywhere. Aww, you have a, well, it definitely shows you have a lot of love for him. And it's nice to hear that and to hear that he was like a, a rock for the family in a way, said the emperor. But you have all you have a lot of love for him too. So he was he did something special for you. Did he understand you more than other people in your family? 
Oh, wow. It's so weird that you're asking me this question. <laughs> uh, you know, like the last thing he ever said to me, because my grandfather ended up getting induced in a coma because the doctors didn't read his chart properly when he went in for a CAT scan because he was complaining about his head. So the same day he went to the hospital, not unconscious, he stayed there. It's like he went in. So the Sunday before that happened, he looked at me before he left and he literally said to me, Samantha, are you okay? He was the only person who ever really allowed me to just be who I am. It's amazing when people come on the podcast and they share these impactful people that they had in their lives, the core of how they survived this life. And I'm so happy that Sam had someone like that. I'm sad that um, he did die, but I'm so happy that she got to express what someone can be in someone's life moving forward. Our next episode is episode 139, Ryan Weaver. And here we talk about his music career as a country singer, but more specifically, we talk about his journey to that, which actually started, he was a military aviator. And so in this clip, we talk about him losing his brother uh, while in combat. And that was sort of the, the moment where he decided to do something else and he went to become a country music singer you could stay in the dream longer is there something that you'd want to talk to him about or, or share or do yeah i mean i i think that you know the to be able to have another second of it uh, uh, you know or, or, or a moment with him to be able to sit down and tell him um you know how much i love him and obviously the the typical if i was given another moment uh statements i'm sure but um, for me, quite honestly, like he, he's uh, interviewed in the History Channel interviews for Black Hawk Down, uh, the making of Black Hawk Down. Uh, and when I hear him talk, I lose it every time because it's, it's like he's there, but he's not. And, and it's, almost, it's almost like it's, it's, a, it's punishment to sit there and listen to him talk and, as opposed to being able to enjoy the fact that he was talking it, to me i look at it and it's it's tough because i know that he can't anymore and, he, and he's not alive um it hurts it hurts it hurts really bad i i mean my wife will tell you we we've watched the history channel interviews for black hawk down a couple times and i just i can't control myself uh, emotionally whenever that ha whenever i hear him talk it's just a whole different thing it's on a whole never whole nother level because I didn't get the chance to say goodbye to him. A lot of folks don't get the chance to say goodbye to their loved ones when, uh, obviously, in the combat situation when they die. And you know, I saw him just a couple of days before that, and you know, those are the memories that I have of him left, and and obviously some other memories, but those are the the freshest memories, the newest ones. But then when I see him talk, it's almost like it's just like another dagger. So I, I mean, I avoid trying watching it, and for me, uh, the because it's knowing that if I was going to spend more time with him, that I was just going to, that I was just going to have to lose him all over again. For, for me, it's, 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 I've, I've accepted the fact that he's not here anymore. And it's almost like you're just giving him to me to take him away again, I guess. I don't know if that's, that's a, a way to probably not a positive way to look at it, but for me, it's kind of, 
you know, if, if, if I'm meant to be with him, you know, in the afterlife and, yeah. and then we get to hang out and we know it's going to be, it's going to be forever, then that's great. But otherwise, you know, it's like, Hey head, don't screw with me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you're just being, you're being honest. It's like where it is and where your grief's at. And yeah, right. you know, like it's difficult. And these dreams, I'm guessing you said like when you had these dreams, maybe you wouldn't even want to talk in them because it'd bring up so much emotion. And it's just maybe just seeing them is enough for the, the, to remember what he looks like kind of thing and to sort of have that continuing bond in your sleep. Yeah, that's interesting. Yep. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Right. And you're finding a way to deal with your grief and you're putting to, towards your music and your yep. emotion comes out through that. So, yeah, that's it. But it's interesting how you become lucid. I think that's uh, pretty unique. Thank you, Ryan, for sharing uh, on our podcast. Uh, it takes a lot of courage. Again, it takes courage for everyone, whoever comes on the show, to express these emotions, talk about grief, talk about loss. And uh, it's great and because it really helps other people who are listening. Hopefully it does. So next we have on Debbie Wobe, and she is from episode 142. So what's interesting about this episode is Debbie has a dream of Teal, who actually donated two organs to Debbie's daughter. Check it out. I heard a rumor on the last podcast that you've even had some dreams of Teal. Actually, yes, I have. Um, not for a while. I think I did the other night, but like I said, I sleep so terribly that unless I'm kind of in tune to it and kind of thinking about it a little bit, it's caught me off guard before, but she actually told me that I need to work with women in the, in that state of almost being awake it was like i could see her plain as day it was her smiling at me telling me that i need to work with women that um, basically that i needed to change my life to help myself and to help her mom i got a couple different messages from her a couple different different times over a span of about three months dream i guess you know i i'm not sure i it was very odd to me because i other than my parents, I hadn't had anybody intervene with me after life like that. And so I didn't know, you know, her and I didn't know each other. My connection to her is her mom. So it was very odd to me that she would, you know, come knocking on my door <laughs> kind of thing. I thought it was very odd, but it was very real too. At the same time, it was, she was in my dreams, definitely. No, I think that's like really amazing to hear because you're right. You didn't have this bond with her, but yet there she is in your dreams, like giving you advice on like things you need to do in your own life, not only for her mom, but also for yourself. And so at that time when you're having those dreams, what was it that you're going through that this was going to provide that extra sense of meaning? Well, uh, for one thing, we were getting ready to do, I was kind of contemplating whether or not I was going to do the speech um, and speak and, you know, kind of get involved with this whole process. I was in turmoil a little bit about that. You know, what, what do I really have to offer kind of thought process? And then I had a full-time job at the time that was just kicking my butt physically leaning over patients, you know, for hours at a time. It doesn't seem like it would be that big of a deal, but it, it is to your body after 35 years of it, you know. So 
I was going through what can I do different to make the kind of money that I make that you know can sustain my life. I'm not. I don't want to retire, retire, but I definitely need to get out of what I'm doing. So I was going through a lot of a lot of different things at the time. So she was kind of kicking me through it, really. <laughs> Oddly enough. No, I think that's funny because we get guidance in sometimes the most mysterious ways and most interesting ways to lead our path and. It's kind of amazing. Sometimes they come through dreams, and so yours did. So, did you have any more dreams after that of teal, or was it just that first initial you making that decision to do the talks? And um, a little bit after that, I remember having. And as a matter of fact, Suzanne and I were just talking about this the other day, and it kind of made me remember. She took notes while I was talking to her about this, and I have yet to see these notes because I don't remember. I told her like the next day things that she told me. <laughs> And Suzanne didn't give me the notes. I was, you're going to have to give me the notes because I don't remember what I told you. <laughs> well, it's a dream, you know, and, it, and when I do it right away or write it down and she's so good about taking notes that she wrote it down. And so I remember some of it, but I know she told me that her and I were both Sagittarius and that that she understood me because of that. Oh, and then the other day, Suzanne and I were talking and I said, oh, yeah, Teal and I had that conversation. She told me that we're both Sagittarius. And she said, what? And I said, oh, yeah, that was a while ago. And, and so things like that just kind of crop up. Oh, yeah, I did dream about that. It's interesting. Dreams are interesting. Thank you, Debbie, for coming on the podcast and sharing your, your story. So for the next episode is episode 143, Liz Diaz. And she is a graphic and hand lettering artist behind Heart and Mercy Design. And what I think is interesting about Liz is she started at ABCs of Grief on her Instagram at Heart of Mercy Design. So she went through every letter of the alphabet and each letter represented an area of her loss that she wanted to showcase. And so when she went to D, she commented on dreams. And this is where this clip comes in. So you, you made the post on D for dreams on your Instagram. Yeah. What was the dream that you had that you were thinking about when you posted that? Okay. So I had a lot, a lot of dreams with my mom and I'm so, oh my gosh, I'm so lucky and, um, to have been able to have those. But so the, she passed away, um, on July 3rd at three o'clock in the morning and before she passed, I, I believe that she came to me right before she passed away. And it was literally just leading up to those moments. And then um, I actually, after she passed, I bought a journal so I could start keeping track of these things because, you know, you're so foggy in the beginning. And I didn't want to forget any of it. Um, and I knew that there was a chance that I could just because emotions are so, you know, crazy like that. Um, so anyway, so I was looking back, just preparing for, for today's call. I was looking back through my journal. Um, and so there were a few really vivid, vivid dreams. So the first one that I had after she passed, um, she was kind of like on a staircase. There was no sound. It was as if I was watching a movie with the volume off. And she was on the staircase way high above me. And she just made eye contact with me and locked eyes. And 
she was just smiling at me and she had this beautiful glow about her and just her beautiful smile because she was sick when she passed away you know she looked the way a person looks when when they're sick um so she didn't look herself but in the dream she did in the dream she looked healthy and her skin was glowing and her hair was long and flowing and it was her natural color um and she just smiled and i i just was trying to catch up to her like desperately trying to catch up to her and i couldn't and she was just waving at me and then i woke up abruptly and i couldn't go back to bed um so that was the first one and that happened she passed on july 3rd and that happened on july 26th i had that dream so just like a few weeks later um but then following that there was a dream that was the one that i was talking about in my post and it was um it was extremely vivid and it was where i could actually have contact with her in, in the dream and that was really comforting and really healing for me in a way and it it just made me feel like okay you know she's obviously somewhere else she's obviously not here clearly she passed away she's not with me anymore but she's she's with me on some level you know in some realm we are making contact here because this was just i mean i've had dreams that are very vivid my entire life um but never like this so um i just really felt that this was something else this was on a completely different level this was on that soul connection level that we have and was really special and so in this dream um we were together and she we were in um my parents house which is the house that i grew up in and we were there and she was just looking so beautiful and we hugged each other and it was this amazing hug that we hugged so hard that we fell down to the ground it like knocked us off our feet um and we were cracking up and crying at the same time and she told me that she loved me very much she told me that i was going to be okay and that i had to keep going um she told me i was doing the right thing she told me uh that she was sorry that she had to go but this was exactly the way things were meant to happen whether we liked it or not and she didn't want to leave me she didn't want to leave any of us um but she had to go and it was just part of our story and um you know i i cried and i begged her not to go and she told me you know i don't want to go i don't want to leave you but i'm always with you i'm always with you and um and i woke up and and it was happy and sad at the same time because what happens is when i have these dreams they're so vivid that when i wake up for a moment i feel like it never happened i feel like she's not gone i feel like life almost snapped back for a second and then i realized that she's gone um and that it really did happen and i you know this is reality um and it's almost like i grieve her all over again and so it's it's really bittersweet because i almost wait for her at night you know it's even now because the last dream i had it's been well over a year the last dream i had of her um and and so it's like every night i go to bed and i'm like am, am i going to see her tonight is tonight going to be the night you know i've even bought um there's this crystal it's called uh blue kyanite and it's supposed to help you with dream recall And so I've put that in my pillowcase before and I and it's like I remember I have these really vivid dreams 
of everything else but her. So I can't even manifest this if I wanted to, you know, and I, I so desperately want to see her and I so desperately want to dream with her and I go to bed searching for her and it just, you know, it doesn't happen. It just doesn't happen that easily. It's, I don't know. I wish I could, I wish I knew how to control it so that I could, you know, call upon her when I really needed her. But, you know, then I look at it and I think it's never enough, you know, because then you start to depend on that. And that was what was happening. I was having these dreams of her and I was beginning to see that my dependency and that switch of our relationship from now from the physical to the spiritual realm was changing. And when I wouldn't dream of her, it would just devastate me. So, but it's been about a good year since I've dreamt of her. Wow. So we are officially D as in done. I like that. Wow, that's a good way to end the podcast. Thank you everyone for your continued support in this podcast and the emails and everything that you continue to do. It means a lot to all of us on the team here. And we wish you a great 2020 coming up. I know I have goals. Hopefully you have some goals too on things you want to accomplish this year. I know you can do it. Just put your mind to it and hopefully you have some good grief dreams that can help you along the way. So if you're new to the podcast, feel free to check out griefdreams.ca for more information on the topic. And as Sean said in the beginning, we do have a donation button, so we would appreciate it if you do donate so we can keep doing what we're doing. Also, if you have Facebook, you can join the Grief Dreams Facebook group, share some of the dreams you have, or you can just listen to some others um, that, that people do share. Uh, Twitter and Instagram, we're at, at @griefdreams, And we also have a podcast called Grief Cafe, so we can check that out if you want to have more moments with me sean and darwin in your ear <laughs> <laughs> saying oh sweet nuts <laughs> yeah oh yeah <laughs> with love and gratitude from us to you <laughs> love you introduced myself you have introduced yourself this is a very good conversation